Today's message was recorded live at the Middletown Seventh-day Adventist Church of Louisville, Kentucky, a safe environment where people relationships become kingdom relationships. Find us online at www.friendlychurch.com. Now let me go ahead and say happy Sabbath to the Middletown Church family. It is a blessing and privilege to be with you all again, though virtually. Oh, how I wish that I could be with you in person. And we're going to be talking this week, uh, a part two to our what we began talking about last week, <clears throat> God, Caesar, and the days ahead. And I understand uh, from your feedback, uh, some of you who gave feedback, that the, while the message was a blessing, some of it was lost because of the technological challenges that we had. So I'm going to be repeating some things uh, in this message, and I pray that um, that will be a blessing uh, for you. And then we'll go a little bit deeper into our study. Uh, this message will be uh, brief, um, so forgive me uh, ahead of time, but I want to make sure that you get this video and that uh, it's not too large or too long uh, and that it's just right um, for 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 the purposes of the recording and for you to get the the the, the message um, this morning. So let us pray and ask God to be with us and 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 be with us as we study His Word. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we are thankful. You're so grateful, Lord, for your love, for your mercy, for your grace. <clears throat> we thank you for the Sabbath. Uh, we can come together and, and rest and worship. Father, we are living in some serious times, and we just pray, dear Lord, that you will uh, enlighten our minds, give us understanding, help us to see the times in which we live. And we just pray, dear Lord, that you will speak to our hearts. Please forgive me of all my sins so that you may speak through me freely. I pray that uh, I may be covered under the blood of Jesus. And Lord, we pray that you may lift up Jesus today. May he alone be seen, be praised and glorified. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So if you have your Bibles, let us go uh, to Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22. And we're going to be reading a, a passage that we read last week. And what is the scripture reading uh, today? So Matthew chapter 22, we're going to be looking at Jesus's a phenomenal uh, contribution to how we relate to civil government. Now notice this, in Matthew chapter 22, beginning at verse 15, the Bible says, Then went the Pharisees and took counsel how they might entangle him in his talk. And they sent out unto him his disciples with the Herodians, saying, Master, we know that thou art true, and teachest the way of God in truth. Neither carest thou for any man, for thou regardest not the person of men. Tell us, therefore, what thinkest thou? Is it lawful to give tribute unto Caesar or not? But Jesus perceived their wickedness and said, Why tempt ye me, he hypocrites? Show me the tribute money. And they brought unto him a penny. And he saith unto them, Whose is this image and superscription? They say unto him, Caesar's. Then saith he unto them, Render therefore unto Caesar's the things which are Caesar's, and unto God the things that are God's. When they had heard these words, they marveled and left him and went their way. 
What an amazing passage. You see, in this passage, Jesus outlines Caesar and Caesar's jurisdiction. Caesar represents the civil government. And Jesus says, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. So Jesus does not uh, uh, advocate or encourage disobedience to the civil powers. In fact, he he advocates the opposite. He says we, we should render to Caesars the things that are Caesar and to God the things that are God. But in saying that, Jesus also, also established the limit of Caesar and the limit of the civil government. And Jesus says, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God. In other words, God has his jurisdiction and Caesar has his. It is God that has established the civil powers. But man's duty to God, Caesar has no part. Caesar has no jurisdiction when it comes to man's duty to God. My friends, we're living in some uh, serious times. We know that currently we are in uh, the pandemic of COVID-19. And last week, just as I finished the message last week, I was actually uh, in, a, in a hotel and I was in a lobby. And, and as I turned and looked on the screen, I saw uh, something that had happened the week prior, but uh, the news had uh, continued uh, uh, broadcast about that um, event, and that was none other than the Supreme Court's ruling in favor of re the religious organizations in New York. Apparently, the governor there, if you read the news, the governor there was, was, was mandating certain restrictions as it relates to how many people can gather in New York for religious service. And a, Jew, a Jewish uh, church and a Christian church, I believe it's a Catholic church, um, uh, 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 filed a lawsuit against the governor and the Supreme Court voted five to four um, against the restrictions that were placed, that were being placed on these religious organizations. Many people say, and that is a uh, a, a win for religious liberty and indeed it is but my friends what we see happening in our world today is more and more interference from the civil power into the lives our lives and bear in mind that there are measures that has been taken place that are good measures that measures that need to take place. But as we are studying, as we have studied last week, and as we're going to see a little bit deeper, we're going to see that there is a jurisdiction uh, of Caesar and a jurisdiction of God. Now turn your Bibles with me to Romans chapter 13. And as we're going to Romans, I also remember another Supreme Court ruling. Uh, this another one has recently take, taken place. And that is as it relates to um, uh, California with Governor uh, Newsom there. And, and the Supreme Court also ruled in favor of the church in California 
giving them the freedom and right to 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 um to worship and come together. Now, in Romans 13, and I want to say this as we read Romans 13 that we are to obey the civil power. I want to get that clear and Jesus made that very clear. But we are seeing even from the Bible that the civil power has a limit to its jurisdiction. And we are also to be responsible. We are also to be responsible in our uh, 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 dealing with this very serious pandemic. And I want to say again, thank you to the Coronavirus Task Force at the Middletown Church and what you all have done to ensure the safety and health of, of all the participants that come to the church uh, to worship the Lord. And I want to say that uh, let's do all that we can in this time to, 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 to shore up the, our, 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 our health and, and, and safety for, for everyone. But there is a point where God's jurisdiction begins. And that's what we're going to cover a little bit more in detail uh, this morning. So if you have your Bibles, let's go to Romans 13. So in Romans 13, the Bible says, Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God. And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. So let's establish this. The Bible is clear that God is the one who has ordained to civil powers. And we are to be subject to these civil powers. Notice verse 5. Wherefore ye must needs be subject, not only for wrath, but also for conscience sake. For for this cause pay ye tribute also, for they are God's ministers attending continually upon this very thing. Now notice, Paul goes on to now quote in verse 9 from the Ten Commandments. And I want you to notice what he says. For this thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. And if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Now, why does Paul say, if there be any other commandment, knowing fully well that there are other commandments? What table of the law is Paul quoting from here? He is quoting from the second table of the law. There, the Ten Commandments were written on two tables of stone. And the second table of the law here has to do with man's relationship to his fellow man. The first table of the law has to do with man's relationship to God. Paul does not quote from the first four commandment, commandments. He quotes from the last six and he doesn't quote, honor your father and your mother. Nevertheless, he's dealing with, with, with man's relationship to his fellow man. And here, as, as was stated last week, is a divine commentary on what Jesus stated in Matthew chapter 22. Render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and unto God the things that are God's. Right here, we find 
this distinction being made. What are the first four commandments? Number one, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou number two, thou shalt not uh, make any graven images or bow down to them. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. And the fourth commandment, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. These are outside of Caesar's jurisdiction. Nevertheless, <clears throat> Paul says we should be subject to the higher powers. Now, you might remember last week we touched on Matthew 24 briefly. And in Matthew chapter 24, we looked at the fact that in Matthew chapter 24, Jesus outlined the signs of the end. And these signs of the end we see are taking on, each one of them are taking on global significance, which means global uh, uh, interference of government in order to provide and have measures to, to stabilize society. Now, you might remember Jesus speaks about wars and rumors of wars. He speaks about uh, earthquakes and natural disasters. He speaks about famines and he speaks about pestilences. Uh, you remember the wars, we covered this last week, so this is just a recap on the wars and rumors of wars. On 9-11, we see that the world uh, has had what was called or is called the global war on terror. And out of that global war on terror came the Patriot Act. And out of the Patriot Act came more surveillance of the United States citizens. Then we see that there has been an increase in natural disasters and the world has termed this global warming or climate change. And out of that are different proposals that are being uh, carried out uh, or, or six being, be, 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 being put in place even now. And we're going to be touching on that one specifically in this message uh, today. And then we see pestilences, one of which is the uh, uh, COVID-19. We've had many. We've had Ebola. We have SARS. We have a uh, uh, swine flu. But this one has been turned a, a global pandemic. And out of this global pandemic, uh, there's been restrictions on worship. There's been restrictions on business. Small businesses have been locked down. Uh, not just small businesses, but businesses uh, all around the um, there's been a lockdown of the country and, um, and, and different measures that has taken place that would not have been able to happen had it not been for this global pandemic. So here we see the reality of the government. You know, it's, it's interesting. I was uh, speaking with a friend recently and they were telling me, you know, I, I, I realized that the government was always there, but for some reason, I realized that they're, they're there now. <laughs> we know about law enforcement. We know about the police force, but a lot of people did not realize the power that was invested in government to, to even my friends shut the whole society down. And I'm speaking specifically to the free world. Us here in the United States of America and other parts of the world, there are some places even on earth today, like North Korea and many others, China and communist countries, that they do recognize the power of the government. There are certain places that you cannot worship freely. 
And so praise God that we have the liberties that we have today. Amen. We praise God that we have the liberties that we have today in this country. But what we're seeing and what we're, what we're getting ready to see and study more in detail is that little by little by little, we will see a repealing of the very liberties that we hold dear, that we hold dear. I want to take you now to, to look more closely at how this global uh, 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 impact of this coronavirus is going to lead into the very fulfillment of prophecy. I want to read to you a few few statements here and build this case for you. Now, when the coronavirus first came, they had the lockdowns, and after a few few weeks and months, um, NASA released that nitrogen dioxide over China has dropped with the coronavirus quarantine. Chinese New Year and a related economic slowdown. Okay, there were many, many different um, articles released that as a result of the lockdowns, the atmosphere is cleaner. The air is, is, is less polluted and all these things. Now, I want you to notice on April 21, 2020, the UN chief says that there is a bigger threat than the coronavirus. There is a bigger threat than the coronavirus. And I'll just read to you here what this article says. It says, with many health systems and medical supply chains at breaking point, Guterres will say that while the impact of the coronavirus is both immediate and dreadful, there's an even deeper emergency, the planet's unfolding environmental crisis. Do you hear this, my friends? Gutierrez will argue that climate disruption is approaching a point of no return, adding that greenhouse gases, just like viruses, do not respect national boundaries. So in other words, the virus is global. Climate change is global. What we see done with the virus can also be done with the climate change. The solutions that we have done globally with the virus, we can also do globally with climate change. Now, this, is, this message is not to, 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 to sway your mind in one way or another regarding climate change uh, or any of these things. We are highlighting a principle here of the limitations of Caesar's jurisdiction versus God's jurisdiction. I want you to notice what uh, CNN says on March 18, 2020. March 18, 2020, this was the headline. The world is coming together to fight the coronavirus. It can do the same for the climate crisis. Do you see that? It can do the same for the climate crisis. That was the headline. Notice now the, the, what, what this article goes on to say. 
Coronavirus has shown that in order to avert the worst impacts of a global crisis, world leaders need to come together to make bold change. The world has been given a trial run in global crisis management. It shouldn't waste it. Did you hear that? They're saying that the world has been given this uh, trial run with global crisis management and we should not waste it. We, the same way that we have come together for coronavirus, the world globally, so we can also come together for climate change. Are you following me? Now, I want you to notice now, what is the proposed solution for climate change? What is the proposed solution for climate change? I want to take you now to the uh, encyclical of the Pope that was written in 2015 called Laudato Si. And in this encyclical, I don't have time to to read it all, but in that encyclical, he details and talks about climate change. And one of the proposed solution, my friends, to climate change is none other, you guessed it, than a weekly rest, a weekly day of rest. Weekly day of rest, globally, they're saying we the same way we have come together globally to meet the crisis of the coronavirus, we need to come together globally to meet the climate change crisis. And one of the ways we can do that globally is to acknowledge a weekly day of rest. We know as students of prophecy what this is going to be. Now notice Revelation chapter 13. Go with me in your Bibles to Revelation the 13th chapter. And in Revelation chapter 13, here we find in Revelation chapter 13 that the Bible predicts, God predicts in prophecy that there is going to come a time where there's going to be a conflict between Caesar and God and worship. There is going to come a conflict. Now, I want you to notice now what it says in Revelation 13. Beginning at verse 15, the Bible says, And he hath power, speaking of the second beast, and he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. There it is, worship. The issue in the last days, my friends, will be an issue about worship, will be an issue about our personal uh, convictions to God and the interference of the civil power. Notice verse 16, And he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, Verse 17, and that no man might buy or sell save he that hath the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. So here we see also that there will be uh, uh, not only on the penalty of death, it will lead to that. But there is also an economic crisis uh, connected to this worship crisis. You will not be able to buy or sell save you have the mark 
of the beast. I want to take you now to this article written on May 1st, 2020. And you can look this up. I wish I could uh, just send these uh, to you. But look this up. Uh, this is a radical environmental proposal, a day of rest. This is the name of the title of the article, a radical environmental proposal, a day of rest. Now, remember what we're talking about. The world is coming together to meet the coronavirus crisis. The world can come together to meet the climate change crisis. And we need to have legislation from the civil power on the issue of a weekly day of rest. Don't forget this point. Now notice, this is an environmental proposal, a day of rest. Notice what this article says. Last week, as environmentalists around the world celebrated Earth Day, I was intrigued by the potential of a biblical solution. Notice this article is saying a biblical solution to the problem of air pollution. Semicolon, a day of rest. This article goes on to say, Now newly published information seems to bear out what should be obvious. A weekly day of rest could help keep the balance in this environmental system that God established to sustain man's physical existence. Here in this article, it also lists that NASA uh, 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 release. And they say NASA satellite images have documented a 30% decline in nitrous oxide levels. Carbon monoxide emissions are down 50% in New York City. The EPA has recorded the best air quality in Los Angeles than any time during the 40 years. Nitrous oxide is down 29%, ozone off 11%, smog and haze down 9%. In other words, because of this lockdown and because people are not traveling as much anymore, we see that this, and by the way, this was written in May, May 1st, so think the numbers can change. Uh, a little here, but but in the thick of the coronavirus, in the thick of the lockdown, they're saying this is a great benefit to the environment. Notice what this article goes on to say. These are staggering numbers published by a joint team of Norwegian and German researchers. But it was something else they said, these researchers said, that really should cause everyone to pause and reflect. Notice, essentially, they lamented that the global lockdown was not sustainable due to the financial catastrophe it would perpetuate. In other words, they said that we could not sustain this lockdown for a long period of time. So the article goes on to say, what if a lockdown on a major sorry, on major activity was sustainable for a time each year, just not all at one time. Imagine the possible ecological improvements if there was an annual pause of, notice, 52 days as compared to the two weeks of inactivity measured for the study. And instead of 52 days straight, what if the interruption was only one day each week. Do you see where this is going? Notice, could something as simple as observing one day of rest for every six days of work make a difference in air quality? Air quality? 
and thus reduce the dire ecological impacts from pollution that many scientists predict for our world. They say the numbers produced by this one study with only about a third of the global population under a partial or full lockdown seem to suggest the impact would be statistically and practically significant. Are you hearing this? So they are saying that we should be thinking about having a global lockdown. Now, not full global lockdown for, for 52 days straight, but a global lockdown one day every week. One day every week. And I'm just reading, reading here, my friends, from this message uh, uh, magazine. And this was their writing after coming out of the meetings with the Earth Day. If you remember how this article started. And Earth Day involved a lot of global leaders and the Pope. Now notice, this article goes on to say, As for the economic impact on businesses from being closed one day of the week, Chick-fil-A has done quite well by closing on Sundays. That's the first time the article mentioned Sunday, and it's in relationship to the economic impact of Chick-fil-A. In other words, they're saying, if you don't think this is going to work for the, for, the, for, the, for the society and for the economy, just look at Chick-fil-A. They have been doing this, and they're closed every Sunday. And notice this article goes on to say, generating more sales per store in six days than its three closest competitors combined achieve in seven. Did you hear that? All right. Now notice what it says. A day of rest is not a solution for the proliferation of plastics in the oceans, etc. But when it comes to reducing airborne pollutants, one day off in seven seems to to make more sense and it is wisdom from above hmm so if you realize this my friends what they're saying is that and this is right in harmony with what the the uh, encyclical ledato si said and what uh, pope francis has been saying is that we need to have a day of rest and this will be a means to combat climate change which is a greater threat to humanity than even the coronavirus. And the same way that the governments of the world have banded together, together for the, uh, a, a, uh, the coronavirus crisis, it can band together for the climate change crisis. Do you see this? I want to share with you what Great Controversy says. And let me just pick up Great Controversy here. This is a Great Controversy. And it's in the chapter, Liberty of Conscience Threatened. Because as students of prophecy, we must see the signs of, of, of the times. We must see the days approaching. And we must recognize where we are in history and how to relate to Caesar and, uh, and, and the days 
ahead. Now, I want you to notice what Great Controversy says in, in the chapter, Liberty of Conscience Threatened. Now, it says, the Constitution of the United States, this is on page 564, the Constitution of the United States guarantees liberty of conscience. Nothing is dearer or more fundamental. Nothing is dearer or more fundamental. You see, one of the things that made America great, one of the things that made America the country uh, that it is, the world superpower and, 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 and a champion, as it were, uh, for, for freedom, is this principle right here. The Constitution of the uh, United States guarantees liberty of conscience. It is this principle that has made America the country that it is. And I recently uh, became a United States uh, citizen uh, uh, last month. And so I had the opportunity to receive one of these documents, uh, the Constitution of the United States. And one of the things in the Constitution, as a matter of fact, the very first amendment of the Constitution it says, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or the right of the people. Notice this to peacefully, uh, sorry, the right of the people peaceably to assembly, to assemble. And to petition the government for a redress of grievances. That's the first amendment under the Constitution. And this is right in harmony with what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 22. And what Paul said in Romans chapter 13. Render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's. And unto God the things that are God's. But we know my friends that there is coming a day. Where this country will repudiate all of the principles of its constitution. And could it be that just as we are, we are seeing, could it be that when we look at the global war on terror, they say, well, we will need to, 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 to discontinue some of our freedoms to keep, to, uh, keep our security. In the light of coronavirus, we will need to discontinue some of our freedoms to keep our health. And then in, in, in the climate change crisis, we will need to discontinue some of our freedoms, maybe all of our freedoms, to keep the planet going. You see, you can see how things are being centered and surrounded by a crisis, but we are told this crisis will come. And in that time, we must be willing to stand for God and to obey God rather than men. We must be willing to say we will stand on the Lord's side. Lastly, as we close, and there's so much, so much to share on this. This has been an amazing study that, that God has been taking me through, just studying about uh, the limits of civil authority and, and our relationship to it. But I'd like to share this last thing with you. My friends, right now we have a, a great amount of religious liberty. In this time, we need to be doing 
the very work that Christ has told us to do. We need to reach our friends, reach our neighbors, reach the people in the world, reach strangers for Christ. Because there's coming a time when it's going to be very, very difficult to do that. We are told, Ellen White says in, in, in one quotation, and I'll paraphrase it. I didn't pick this up in my notes. But she says, what the church failed to do in a time of peace and prosperity, it will have to do in a time of great persecution. You see, during the time that the apostles preached, they preached in a time where they encountered persecution. And that persecution uh, was very, very severe. Now we have an opportunity. Now we should be awake. Now we should know that the times are, the time is at hand. This crisis is coming and it, and we don't know when it will come, but we will never go back to normal. And they have, they're saying we need to embrace this new normal. So this message is just a message to remind us that at one, we need to be able to stand for God when it is necessary to stand when things begin to violate our rights, our freedoms, and our duty to God. Two, we need to realize that we have an um, amount of religious liberty now that we can do a work of warning others, of telling others of Jesus and his love and his cross and the cross and the things that are coming upon the earth. And three, we need to press together. While the world is, uh, uh, we have to be uh, social distancing now, we should be pressing together in spirit, pressing together in, in, in mind, pressing together in mission and purpose, coming together, not socially, not, not distancing ourselves from each other, but coming together because we need each other at this time in earth's history. We need to encourage each other because we see what is about to take place in the world. And so, my friends, it is, is it your desire to say, Lord, make me ready to stand when, it is, when, it, when, it, when the time has come for me to stand? Help me not to see matters in nearly the same light as that of the world, but help me to obey God rather than men. And also you want to say, Lord, help me to realize what great opportunity we have now. And help me to utilize this opportunity to share with others of you and your second coming. If that's your desire, I invite you to bow your heads with me as we pray. Father in heaven, Lord, um, thank you so much uh, for this study. Lord, I know that uh, there's so much more to talk about when it comes to uh, this topic, so much more to dive into and the implications, even as it relates to righteousness by faith and Christ dwelling in the heart and, 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 and Christ's kingdom being set up in our minds and from our hearts control our actions. That is, a, that is the limit of the civil power. It cannot control the mind. It can only uh, regulate the outward behavior of man. Lord, there's so much to cover, but I just pray that you uh, have made this understandable to, to those that hear this message that we are coming down to the wire. We're, we're, we're moving along the lines in prophecy and we see that your coming is very soon. Help us, dear Lord, to, to, to come apart from the world, to be separate, but yet at the same time go back into the world 
uh, to share your love, to share about you and to, to tell people what is coming upon the earth so that they can be ready to meet you uh, when you come. We thank you. We love you. and We pray in Jesus name. Amen.